What's the story you're not telling? Hi, I'm Adrienne, aka The Story Whisperer. I'm here to help you release your stuck stories, reevaluate the stories you've been telling about yourself, and discover the most important story of all. The story that's going to take you from here to exactly where you want to be. You want to speak your truth? That's allowed. You want to get reacquainted with your authentic self? That's allowed. You want to clarify your core message and shout it from the reverberant rooftops? Well, climb on up, because that's allowed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the That's Allowed podcast. This is season three, ladies and gentlemen. And here we have Syed. I'm going to let Syed introduce himself. Please, Syed, tell us who you are. Hey, everyone. My name is Syed Sanikarani, and uh, I am from New Delhi, India. Mm-hmm. I am an entrepreneur, and I have uh, a training and development and coaching organization through which I plan to help a lot of people in emerging economies, especially. Our goal is to help people become successful while they keep happiness at the core of all that they do. And I I kind of uh, made this the purpose of the organization because I used to work with a lot of uh, C-suite executives and I used to work with a lot of managers. And uh, as a training and development professional, when I whenever I interacted with fellow uh, professionals, colleagues, especially people who are working in the corporate world, I found that people are successful. I mean, they would be driving uh, Audis and BMWs and Mercedes, but they're sad. And although mm-hmm. they fit the typical criteria of becoming successful, they have achieved their goals, financial goals, because these days, whenever we talk about goals, uh, somehow we have this predisposed idea that we're only talking about financial goals. So mm-hmm. uh, I met people who have achieved their goals and they're always sad. So I thought we have to have something, some, some way through which we can help people kind of uh, keep that light, that spark of happiness alive within themselves. So that's what Indian Training Company is about. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're planning to help uh, a lot of uh, professionals, especially in emerging economies, to find success and keep happiness at the core of all that they do. That's wonderful. I love that so much. So let's talk for a minute about goals before we dive into my, my list of questions. So I love this idea of keeping happiness at the core of everything and not thinking of goals just as financial goals. I, for the, long, for the longest time, I really struggled with setting goals because like you said, it just felt like I, not everything for me revolves around finances. And so it was really hard for me to get like excited about, oh, my goal is to buy a car or, you know, whatever it is. And then I found this book, Goals with Soul. Uh And it's all about finding your core desired feelings. And, and, And having everything revolve around, what do I want to feel more of? And what are the things in my life that support that? And what are the things that don't? And just sort of, you know, pruning your garden and planting your garden of life around this idea of, I want to feel more of this feeling. And that changed everything for me. Absolutely everything. That book sounds great. It is great. So I will, uh, I will find the actual book. Uh, I have it upstairs. And I'll put, I'll put that in the show notes uh, so people can find that. Yeah, All right. Sure. Now then, I have a question for you. And this is the first question I always ask, which is, mm-hmm. what is the story you're not telling? Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought about it. And uh, when I thought about it, I came to the conclusion that actually, off late, I have been telling the story that I was not telling. Mm-hmm. And... I grew up hiding a lot of stuff about how I was bullied or how I failed or um, how I did not believe in any one religion, but Mm -hmm. I am accepting of all faiths and religious beliefs as long as they're peaceful. 
So I used to hide all these things because uh, <clears throat> I sort of, uh, I was raised in a way, again, you know, uh, coming back to conditioning and coming back to how we are raised and how we are taught certain things and how uh, these ideas are uh, sort of carved on our malleable brains that, you know, this is right, this is wrong. So I was, I grew up believing that if I were to tell people about how, how I was bullied or how I was in school, I was, I used to always get bad grades. People would judge me or people would think that I'm weak. Mm. And, uh, and also I used to think that being weak was something wrong. So, you know, all these ideas kind of stopped me from telling that story. So that was a story that I was not telling. And I'm very thankful that I, some, something happened to me over the last, uh, one year and i've started to share with people uh, the, the the truths that i have been hiding for all my life and mm-hmm. i feel great actually <laughs> um i i've i've been an introverted individual all my life i've always refrained from sharing uh, a lot of things with a lot of people i've i've always been envious of extroverted individuals how they're always flamboyant and how easily they make conversations with people it was always difficult for me, like somebody has put a thousand kg kilograms of weight on my shoulders while I'm talking to someone. So, yeah, so that, those were the stories that I was hiding. And I'm really thankful to that uh, change, to that, uh, I wouldn't call it catharsis, but yeah, some things, some, some sort of a transformation happened. And I've started talking about those things now. So Yeah, that's the story that I was not telling. So let's talk about that transformation. Let's go a little bit deeper into that. Where do you think that started, that things started to change for you or the, t- the tide started to turn? Sure. So I'll take you back to my childhood real quick. I was Absolutely. this guy, not that uh, good looking, not, that, uh, not, the, not the brightest mind in the, in the classroom. Uh, like I said, I was an introvert, so I was not even taking part in a lot of activities or uh, whatever. I, I was always up for... Uh, writing for my school magazine though because that's the kind of thing that you know people like people like me again i'm stereotyping so uh someone like me would do someone like me would prefer to do um and when i grew up with uh, with those ideas and of course i was bullied a lot i've shared this a hundred times now i was bullied a lot and i was uh, made sure that i people made sure that i learned to believe that i'm not good enough Mm. And uh, when I grew up with uh, those ideas in my head, I actually felt that I'm not that good enough. And uh, when I started working, I've, I was always I was always very very uh, scared of my managers mm. uh, at work because uh, they were my superiors, and somehow I had to obey them or respect them. And there was a line that I was never supposed to cross. So I was not even getting a lot of professional success. And in 2015, or in 2000, yeah, in 2016, I lost my job. Um, I was let go. I was working for a, for a real estate company and I was let go. And after that, I briefly worked with a international organization, it's an American multinational company, very, very huge. Anyway, so I worked there for a brief period of time. And the manager used to, uh, again, you know, it was a cycle. I used to join a company. The manager used to harass me or bully me. Or that's how I felt maybe because those were the ideas implanted in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it started, it kind of uh, was a snowball effect for me you know, from the very first day. I started, I started to think that this is a negative environment. It's not going to do good to me. People are bullying me. I would not be able to grow here. And when I am thinking all of those negative thoughts, I am also seeing a lot of negativity happening in front of me because what you think, would, that, that's what you see. Absolutely. So one fine day I go to my office at this American multinational and um, you know, just before I am, just before the front gate, before punching my ID and you know, to let me go inside, I think that's enough. It's about to change my life. I cannot do this anymore. I can't be this guy anymore. So I call my manager, I say, I can't do this, I'm out. 
and that's uh, when i start i i thought that i i would start something on my own mm-hmm. and indian training company was started off of uh, you know two basic ideas idea number 1 was to make myself a stronger individual mm-hmm. a person who would have uh, the courage to run his own company mm-hmm. and idea number 2 was to create an organization where the training and coaching we impart to people originates from genuine original ideas and thoughts and it comes from a genuine place of helping mm. and you know i did not want to create an organization where you read dale carnegie's book and you just rip off four chapters from that book and create a fancy presentation and go train the organization i never wanted to create that company so this transformation was uh, it was a slow transformation of course it began in 2016 and i think the peak was around 20 uh, 2019 um uh, so what was, was the peak weird... what where where did this kind of get to in yeah. terms of a, a peak yeah that's what that's what i was coming to so there was this girl that i was seeing and i used to really like her and uh, so i was serious about her and she you know things did not work out between us and everything just came crashing in front of me again because all that uh pent up negativity or whatever that i had inside of me which i was kind of battling uh it sort of became powerful again and it came in front of me again and that's that's when i started to realize that you know those demons they were never gone they were yeah. just kind of taking a little uh weed break and they were just <laughs> sitting in a corner smoking some pot waiting for the right moment to show up again <laughs> yeah so that's that's how the that's how the peak level reached and uh, i was i was really down i was uh, i went into serious anxiety and depression and uh, uh for about a year i was not able to run my company uh and you know uh, thankfully with the help of friends and with a lot of self help i i watch a lot of videos thankfully i've got a, i've got some friends who are doctors you know who are psychologists so mm-hmm. they helped me out and uh, they helped me become better and they helped me find out more about myself um and dr adrian i would tell you that the number one key to becoming a better individual mm-hmm. is not is not to find out more about the world it's about finding more about yourself yeah you know people keep reading all these books people keep watching videos it's not going to help them the only thing that's going to help them is reading what's inside yeah and i've realized that the books that we read and the videos that we watch we only watch them you know just to confirm our own beliefs Yeah. We're not watching them because they're helping us learn something. We're watching them just because they're reassuring our own ideas. Very so yeah, true. anyway, so so that was my transformation story. And uh it was very slow, very painful, but I learned to uh cope. So I I became friends with those those demons. Mm-hmm. And now we kind of share joints as uh, <laughs> as they're smoking it. So I pass it on to them, they pass it back to me you know sometimes i like put it on my ear <laughs> so that i can smoke it later so that's how it goes now i love that image that's wonderful <laughs> yeah so so the, you know the next question is how did it change you and i think you've pretty well covered that but i want to hear your sort of summation of what was the transformation how did this change you yeah so everything i mean i would talk about everything here i would talk about uh, gender identities i would talk about religion i would talk about politics i would talk about uh, nationalism everything even cuisine for that matter <laughs> the food that we eat um see india is a very you know it's it's it has a rich culture and rich heritage right mm-hmm. so when we're growing up we're we're, we're repeatedly told that you have the best culture kids and you're living in a very beautiful country and that's true we are living in a very beautiful country that has a very 
it has a great culture it has great food and it has great people and we have a rich history everybody knows about it i mean i'm sure there were hundreds of americans who found out uh, about the harappan civilization and who, who uh, unraveled the mysteries of ashoka's kingdom so nobody is disputing those ideas everybody knows about them anyway so when we're going over uh, we're kind of uh, these these strong ideas are uh, put in our brains and i'm i'm sure that in uh, in gen z or generation alpha is going to be less but uh, i am an early millennial i was born in the late 80s so it's like it was in my time it was strong and i'm sure people who were born before me it was stronger in them so you know ideas about gay people being not natural or religions that are uh, not your religions being incorrect mm. and i recently recorded a fun podcast with a friend and that the title of that podcast was are all non believers going to hell so <laughs> so we talked about a lot of religious beliefs there anyway so that transformation uh, helped me understand that the religion that my parents followed was not the best religion it is a religion amongst many other religions mm-hmm. uh it helped me understand that you know people who are who do not identify as being male or female they're not idiots they just have a i mean that's the way they are and they identify with being someone else or some some other gender so it's completely cool uh people who are not indians they're not idiots come on people who are <laughs> our enemies for that matter like people from pakistan or people from people from china these mm-hmm. are the two countries that most indian people hate so and i i i you know some people might give me flack for saying this but even the regular people in china and pakistan they're not haters come on i mean these are all political frictions that that mm-hmm. happen because of which we start hating each other but if if i were in the united states of america and if i see a pakistani guy i would not even realize that that guy is pakistani i, I might consider that person to be an indian because we right. look so much alike and you know so these were the ideas that kind of completely changed in me and i started to see the world differently i started started to understand that people who are different from me they are absolutely similar to me on the inside we've got the same biochemistry we've got the same emotions our genetic code is 99.99% same our genome is absolutely the same imprint mm-hmm. it's just that somebody was born in some other country because of the accident of birth and somebody was raised in some in another way because of because of the conditioning that they were raised with and that's how we grew up to be different otherwise we're just same individuals basically it's very true and i think let's go into that a little bit deeper because i yeah, find that sure. so fascinating when you look at people around the world everyone wants the same stuff everyone wants yeah. the same stuff they want to be happy they want the people that they care about to be happy they want peace they want calm you know but then people get caught up in fear they get caught up in this fear of we won't have enough there won't be enough abundance there won't be enough resources for everyone and so they get caught up in greed of well we have to control what we have to protect you know our own against these other people and you get this idea of the other right right and and that's kind of how every conflict begins you know but when you look down at it everyone like i said wants the same stuff we're all really very much the same but yeah. it's those little details you know that it, I, you can have a terrible fight with your sibling right over something yeah. tiny and small because our emotions can get so worked up over these little things that feel so important in the moment and it is so freeing for me to travel and to meet people from other cultural contexts and to realize like you said how similar we are but also how different those cultural contexts can be and how much that can influence us without us even realizing it yeah. without our being aware that you know oh i grew up in a culture that told me that boys are like this and girls are like this 
and there's nothing in between, for example, right? Um, And when you grow up and you go to another context and you meet someone who doesn't identify as either of those things and you go, wow, still a person, still has the same, you know, desires and, and feelings that I do, like, whoa, it really opens your mind. And I think it's really a shame, especially in uh, the United States, how little people get to travel internationally. It is, it is a real shame. And especially right now, I mean, I really feel for my kids, they can't go anywhere right now. And we had all these plans for traveling and it's like, is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? I have no idea what's going to happen. Such a crazy. That's going to happen pretty, pretty soon for sure. I sure hope so. But the good part is that you are, uh, you know, you've, you've got an awakened mind. So uh, your kids are going to be, they're going to turn up great. And, I hope so. Uh, because you're going to guide them in that way. And that's what, yeah. what is necessary. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit already about what's blocked you from telling this mm-hmm. story. But can we go a little bit deeper into that? What is that feeling of, is it fear? Is it shame? What is it that blocks you? Uh, like you said, you know, you didn't want people to see you as weak. So what is yeah. that, that fear of, of, of being seen as weak that keeps us from sharing these stories? Uh, it is 100% fear mm-hmm. with a nice topping of imposter syndrome. Yeah. So uh, it's, we're, we're always uh, stuck in the stories that we are raised with. We're stuck in those stories. And uh, we develop characters in those, in those stories. And obviously, we're playing all those characters. We've got multiple roles. We're not getting paid for it. But we are playing multiple characters in those stories. We're the, we're the bad guy. We're the good guy. We're the good guy's best friend who's going uh, to tell the girl. Uh, your your true true side of the story, uh-huh. and we're also the girl who's gonna fall in love with us. So we are all those people. We're all those characters. Yes, and we invent those characters to save us. And some of those characters are wild. Some of those characters are sort of whimsical. Some of those characters are sad. Some of those characters are uh, the kind of a parent. So I don't know if you know about this. Uh, uh, the transactional analysis model of Eric Byrne. Mm. And Eric Byrne talks about the parent, the adult, and the child. So he talks about three personality types. And Eric Byrne says that everyone has the parent, adult, and the child. And the parent could be a critical parent or a nurturing parent. Mm-hmm. And the child could be an adaptive child or an aggressive child. Yeah. And the adult is an adult. The adult is uh, rational. So I have, you know, I, I had all these personalities in my head, and I'm sure so do other people. Sometimes I was the, uh, the, the rational parent. Sometimes I was the nurturing parent. Sometimes I was uh, the aggressive parent. Sometimes I was the adaptive child. Sometimes I was the aggressive child. And uh, all these ideas they were they were coming in front of me again and again all these characters that i'm talking about sometimes these characters were, were stopping me sometimes these characters were helping me grow and like when this transformation happened it's it's like you have to uh you have to kind of go through the catalog of characters that you have mm-hmm. and you have to pick out the character that is most you and that resonates the most with you because, uh, you know, when you've invented so many characters, you, you tend to forget which one is actually you. So you, you pick up the character, which is, which most resonates with you. And then you lead the rest of your life as that character. And yeah. there are truly very, very few people who find the real you, but I believe mm-hmm. there is no real you because, you know, as soon as we're born, we're getting influenced by a lot of ideas. Yeah. So, who the hell knows what the real us are? I, I think it was lost as yeah. soon as we were born. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, all these characters, just browsing through the characters, find the real character and lead the rest of your life uh, with 
or you know, playing the character that is most that that most resonates with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, so to answer your question in one line, fear was stopping me, and I always thought that if I were to start acting as I felt most comfortable, mm-hmm. uh, I would fall flat on my face. People yeah. would not like me, and I think human beings crave acceptance a lot. So I was also craving acceptance. And the day I started to understand that I don't, I should not give a shit about whether people accept me or not. I should give a shit yeah. about whether I accept myself or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the day that things started changing. And uh, to this day, uh, which, you know, the thing that I'm about to say is different from the question that you asked, but to this day, I keep telling people that self-acceptance is the first step in personal transformation. Mm-hmm. And that's that's absolutely important. I think that's so true, and I f- I think it feels really ironic to a lot of people to have to accept yourself to be able to change yourself. But <laughs> if you look at it, that's actually the case with everything. You have to start from where you are. You can't start from someplace else, right? You can't start from absolutely. three years ago or two years from now. You have to start yeah. with what you have exactly where you're at. And so if you're in any kind of denial around that and saying, I am not this way, or I do not accept myself as I am, then how can you, you, you can't work with that. I want to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome because you brought Mm -hmm. that up and I feel like it's such an important thing to talk about because everyone who is good at what they do will experience Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. At some point, right. there has been a lot of research around this, and they found that if you have an enormous amount of confidence around something, yeah. you're probably not as good at it as you think you are. <laughs> That's so true. Because once it you happens. start to, yeah, once you start to get knowledge about something, you realize how much you don't yet know. And the better yeah. you are at something, the better you are at judging how good someone is at that thing. And so you become more critical of yourself. And so imposter syndrome is actually a cue that you are on the right track, that you are good at this, that you are getting knowledge around it, and that you are learning. So if you are not experiencing imposter syndrome around something, if you think, wow, I am amazing at this and I don't have anything more to learn, um, you probably aren't as good as you think you are. (laughs) Frankly. I'm reminded of I'm reminded of that quote. I don't know who, who wrote it, but I've read it a lot of times on Instagram. The fool did not know that it can't be done. So he, mm-hmm. did, it, he did it anyway. Right. <laughs> so I think that's, that's, the, that's the mentality that you're talking about. Yeah. And sometimes that can actually be very useful. I, uh, I applied for a full, Fulbright scholarship, not knowing what a Fulbright scholarship was. It just sounded neat. So I applied for it and I got it, but I never would have applied for it. If I had known how competitive it was, because I would have thought, oh, I'm not that smart. You know, there's no way. There's all these other, you know, smart kids who went to these fancy schools and, you know, they, they probably get Fulbright scholarships. I'm just some, some girl who's good at, you know, some stuff. And so sometimes it really pays to have that blind confidence. <laughs> That's awesome. And That's to adopt, awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that story. Yeah. Just to adopt the mentality of the fool. And just say, hey, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. Okay. (laughs) Definitely. But I just want to reassure you, you know, if you're saying to yourself, oh, gosh, someone's going to realize I'm not as good at this, you know, as I claim to be. Hey, everybody's in the same boat. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all getting better. Everybody is a work in progress. There's nobody out there who is 100% wonderful at what they do they will, you will probably teach them something if you work with them because we all learn from each other. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So who do you think needs to hear this? Uh, The stories that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh man. I guess all the chubby kids who are not doing that great in school (laughs) and uh, who are getting bullied on the regular, they should hear it. Absolutely. And and everyone who thinks that they're too to make a positive change or uh, everyone who thinks that they're too insignificant to even begin in the direction of making a positive change mm. should hear it because yeah. that's that's the tricky part people don't even start 
and I always urge, uh, you know, a lot of students write into me on my Instagram page, and whenever I'm training professionals, so a lot of these, you know, assistant manager, middle management people, they approach me and they're like, dude, how did, how did you do it? You were an assistant manager and then you were going to become a manager and then you left your job. You, I became, a, and I had recently become a manager when I left my job. So people are like, you became a manager and that was such a big deal. Why did you leave a job? I was like, I was never for, never in the game for the titles. I was in it for something else. And I was not getting it and I wanted to find it. So that's why I left it. So you have to start somewhere, right? And that first step, and obviously this is a cliche. Hundreds of people have said this before me. I'm just going to repeat it. First step is the hardest, mm-hmm. but you have to make it anyway. That's, that's, the, that's the starting point. So, you know, uh, who needs to hear it? People who are afraid of taking the first step. Just and that it, first man. step? is self-acceptance, right? Which it sounds easy, but is incredibly hard. Oh boy, it's hella difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the hardest things to do. And that's why so few people actually (laughs) achieve it (laughs) and are able to change. You know, they say, oh, people don't really change. Well, they certainly can, but most people don't because it is really hard to accept yourself exactly where you're at. And love yourself exactly where you're at to be able to make that change. Most people in relationships are not fully accepting the other person in that relationship exactly as they are. They can't even see them exactly as they are because they have so many fantasies projected onto them of what they want their partner to be or what they expect their partner to be. When two people are in relationship like that, the key that I found is asking yourself, can I love this person exactly as they are? And if you can't, you need to let them go. You need to for both of your sakes. But if you can, then do it and you will see them blossom and start to change. I promise you, it happens every time, but only if you genuinely can accept them and love them exactly as they are. Now, please, your turn. You're, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm definitely going to comment on that part as well. But before, earlier, I was going to say uh, that self-acceptance does not mean saying this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be right. always. Yes. I think that's a lazy move, dude. You, you, you just don't want to change. That's why you're saying that. Yeah. And this is who I am. Is I find it as an excuse of not becoming better in life. Mm-hmm. So self-acceptance is just getting comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and becoming aware that, yes, there are differences that exist in this world. And you were created differently from other people and the standards of beauty or excellence are they're just all man-made and Mm. nature did not make those differences so if you're not excelling right now i I mean i was recently interacting i've I've got a friend in uh in in the united states in uh, texas uh, so she just graduated from school high school and uh I met her on this brilliant platform called Slowly. Anyway, so she was writing letters to me and through the, con- you know, in the middle of a conversation, I found out that she's a high school kid. So I told her that, kid, do you know I'm almost double your age you're talking to me? She said, that's all right. I, I don't want to, I, I'm, I just want knowledge. That's it. During our converse conversations, I, uh, I asked her that what it is that you want to do when she said, I just want to find myself. And I thought, this kid is the wisest kid I've ever yeah. met in my life. Yeah. So, so that's what self-acceptance is all about, you know, just looking for yourself. Absolutely. And, so, uh, yeah. Can I tell you a quick story about when I had just graduated yes, high school? Yes. So when I graduated from high school, I was anorexic and I was, you know, in a bad way. Like you, I was teased for being chubby. And so I went to the opposite extreme of starving myself and thinking that that would make me beautiful and that people then would like me and accept me. And surprise, surprise, I was still miserable. (laughs) In fact, I was now more miserable because I was hungry and people still didn't accept me and love me. So 
I went to Europe. Um, I made a deal with my father that I would gain a certain amount of weight back and then he would send me to Switzerland to meet some of my family. And on the way to Switzerland, I went through Paris and I went to the Musée d'Orsay. And I walked in and it was all these statues, sort of Greek and Roman and, you know, statues of antiquity. And these women were all pear-shaped. They had these big old hips and butts and, you know, little perky boobs. And I was like, they look like me. Oh my God. And it just like blew my head open that this at one point was considered the pinnacle of beauty, that this was the standard of beauty. And if you didn't look like this, people didn't think you were beautiful. And that That changed everything for me. Like you said, just realizing there's this other cultural context where everything is different and everything you think you know, all these truths, all these things that you think are normal or accepted, that's just in one cultural context. In another, yeah. it's the complete opposite. And everything is different. And it made me realize, oh my God, I could be beautiful just exactly yeah. as I am. I just have to believe that. And it changed everything for me. Right. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and that story reminds me of so many things that I've seen and read you know, growing up. And I, I, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Europe especially is beautiful. So yeah, <laughs> I, I was just transported to Paris. I've never been there. I want to go there. Mm. But yeah, that story is so true. And you're right. Being fat was considered uh, the, the pinnacle of beauty at one time. That's right. And uh, I've read that there were certain people, you know, the aristocrats who, who got their portraits painted. And the guys wanted their tummies to look even bigger in their bigger. portraits mm-hmm. so that so that they could they could look even even more beautiful. Yeah, a nice double chin. Those, yeah, you see Francesco Goya's paintings and you see all those women in those paintings. They're all they're all naked they're all naked first of all. Mm-hmm. And they're all really chubby. Yeah, with so, the nice fat yes. rolls. Yeah, because that <laughs> speaks of abundance and wealth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting how we just, we pin these different abstract ideals onto the yeah. human body and yeah. expect people to somehow conform to that. And it's insane. That's, it's insane. That's, that's what we've done. That's, yeah. that's what we've come to. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the main message or takeaway from your story? The main message or takeaway is that you're never too small or you're never too uh, shy or you're never too whatever. You're never too brown or black to Mm -hmm. make a change in this world. And, uh, you know, Dr. Adrian, right now, there are a lot of countries in this world that are experiencing huge periods of turmoil, like there's Syria, like there's... Palestine and certain parts of Israel that are experiencing this whole uh, conflict. And you, you know that, you know, if we just look back in history, so those regions are going to emerge and become absolutely magnificent and beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Those regions were beautiful. They're experiencing a, just a negative time right now. They're going to become beautiful again. So just like those, uh, those regions change uh, and keeping the sphinx's analogy in mind the sphinx burns becomes ash and then rises again so you can do the same thing you you can start over and over again and it doesn't matter who you are where you're from uh, how much money you have do it if you've got if you've got breath in your lungs if you've got uh, your body metabolizing the food that you've had. And if you've got a spark of electricity going in your brain, thanks to your heart, you've got the potential to do something. And uh, there's, there's, I think, I, I forgot the name of this gentleman. His last name is, I think, Vujicic or Vujikic. I think it's Nick Vujikic. So this person was born with a syndrome where uh, where he does not have any limbs, where he does not have any hands or any legs. 
So he just has a body, okay? And uh, um, when I first saw him, I was like, how can this person, you know, even survive? And when I later on read about him and found out more about him, uh, I found out that he's an evangelist and a motivational speaker. Yeah, I looked it up on the internet. His name is Nicholas James Vujicic. Okay, it's Vujicic, sorry. I was pronouncing it wrong. This person was born with this uh, rare disorder called phocomelia, and it's it's characterized by the absence of arms and legs. Mm. And it was hugely motivational for me. I was, if this person who does not have arms and legs that are the most essential parts of the human body, mm. you know, that help you move, that they help you in mobility and whatnot, everything you do with your arms and legs. And this person is a world famous motivational speaker. So me, who's got this huge ass body and who's got all this energy and who's got the potential to eat four hot dogs in one go, I can, I can definitely do a lot of things. And therefore, I start practicing gratitude and I practice gratitude every day. And as soon as I wake up, I say a little gratitude prayer. And that gratitude prayer helps me become better. So the takeaway message is, if you're alive, if you're alive and if, uh, if you've got family to take care of you, if you've got basic, basic uh, things like food and water and shelter, you're you're really better off than millions of others mm. because there are people you know like i just mentioned syria and i just mentioned palestine people in those places they don't have food they don't have shelter they don't have internet i mean the, this this thing that we're doing right now yeah. this is a blessing you're sitting in uh the i don't know which state you're in i'm in, in seattle US. You're in Seattle. So you're in Seattle. I'm in New Delhi. We're having a conversation like as if you were right here in front of me. And we yeah. just say cheers to a cup of coffee or a bottle of beer. And we were just, we were just good friends. And this is a blessing. And a lot of people do not realize this. And a lot of people need to be realizing this. Absolutely. So there's a lot to be thankful for. Absolutely. I want to go into something you said there a little bit more. Sure. I love this idea of, you know, if you have the capacity to do something, you have the capacity to do anything. And I, I, I went through this period in my life where I was just sort of bogged down with shame of all these things that I had done. And I felt like I couldn't fix them and I couldn't change them. And so I sat down and I just wrote down everything that I had done that had caused harm to me or to somebody else around me. And I looked at that and I thought that this was going to be really crushing, that I was going to feel just overwhelmed by everything that I had done. And instead, exactly the opposite happened. By confronting it, I was able to look at it and say, I caused all of this. I did that. That was me. I made choices and then things happened and there were effects. Now, if I had made different choices, I could have had different effects. And now that I'm aware of that, I can choose to create things in my life that will have an impact. And that sounds really obvious, but somehow seeing it all written out there made it really real to me that I am more powerful than I realize. Yes. And that it was just a matter of making better choices. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And on Instagram again, uh, going back to Instagram quotes, uh, you must have read this quote uh, going around. It says, you're always one decision away from changing your life. Yeah. And I always add on another line to that quote. And that line is, you're always one commitment away to making the life that you want. Yeah. So if you take one decision, your life changes. But if you commit to that decision, then the life, then, then the life that you want, it, it really comes in, you know, it comes to fruition. Right. That's, Assuming that's that 
assuming that that is in line with your core desired feelings, which I looked up the name of that book. It's called The Desire Map by Danielle Laplante. So is there anything else that you would like the audience to know before uh, we wrap up and I have you tell them where to find you? I just want to say that if, uh, if you want to make a change to yourself, do not let that change be driven by external factors. Mm. You know, if you're if you're overweight and if you want to lose weight, do it because you want to become healthier. And I'm doing it. I I am, you know, I am on an exercise plan. I try and work out every day. I've lost uh, a lot of weight, and I'm going to lose more weight in the future. If you, uh, you know, if your skin is in a bad shape, let's say you've got a lot of acne and your, your skin is acne prone, to try and get it, get in touch with a dermatologist and try and create an action plan. Do not hate yourself for it. If you're, if you have a weak eyesight, there's nothing true that you can do about it. So, rock those spectacles. You know, get in touch with a friend who's good on good fashion sense and let her or him or them tell you that which spectacles look great on you yeah do not let the changes that you make to yourself or the changes that you make to your life be driven by external influences let them come from within that that would really empower that's great advice i love that all right where can everyone find you sayed oh a a quick google search with sayed sadikarani can take people to my pages on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, I am available at uh, the handle at Sayed S. Karhani on Instagram. I'm available with the, uh, with, the, with, the, with the extension of Sayed S. Karhani on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Sayed S. Karhani. And you, know, you can always just go to www.indiantrainingcompany.com and click on the contact page just send a message to us although it would go to my uh, go to my director of communications and marketing but you can just tell her that you want to talk to Sayad and she can always direct you to me alright that, that sounds like a so good much. plan yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for joining me today thank you so much Dr. Adrian thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to just uh, truly be myself and not not choose one of my many characters to interact with you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> for sure, for sure. In the future, I'm going to think about uh, think of ways in which I can uh, I can have you uh, partner up with me for uh, for you know for something because uh, I was reading through your website, so you empower people through storytelling. I believe. Tell tell me a little more about the work that you. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I do is I help people get in touch with their core message. Sometimes people have a story, but they don't know what the message is behind that story. And sometimes people have a message, but they don't know what story will really help illustrate that message to their audience. And so I help people from either end of that spectrum, either from the message end or from the story end. And I help you integrate your message and your story so that you have this really powerful message in a really entertaining story that people will listen to and find wonderful and want to learn more about you and what you do and who you are. So often it ends up on their about page, but it's also just something that you can have as a, an elevator speech or a speech yeah. at a wedding or whatever it is that you need a story for. That's what right. I help people do. And sometimes people just have a story that's trapped inside of them. Yeah that is coloring their world and they're not really aware of that. And I help bring it out into narrative form so that it is now something outside of them that they can use to help other people and use as a beacon to attract the right people to them rather than it being stuck inside of them. Wow, that's that's cool. And uh, communication is nonetheless the number one skill for success. And you've got a niche in a niche. And I think that's awesome. Stories are the way human beings have evolved. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, stories are, are, the, are, the, are, the, are the number one way that people have uh, learned from their mistakes and their experiences and uh, learned to do better. 
So what I'm thinking is that uh, maybe I can think of uh, collaborating with you on a project where we sort of help business leaders create better stories for their brands and create Absolutely. better stories for themselves as well. Yes, yes, that is 100% what I do. I'd love to work with you on that. Cool. Let me let me create a plan for that and uh, let's try and get connected with uh, some more CEOs. So uh, on the 12th or the 16th of September, I am going to be interacting with about 20 CEOs from Africa. Cool. And I am training them on leadership skills. Yes. Awesome. And uh, did you know that I lived in great. Africa for a while? I did not. That's awesome. Yeah. When did you live there? So remember I mentioned the Fulbright. So I went to Cote d'Ivoire yes. and Senegal and Burkina Faso and Mali, basically all the French speaking areas <laughs> of West Africa. And I was there in 2000, wow. uh, well, 1999 wow. and then 2000 and then again in 2003. So, yeah. So uh, I am going to be interacting with people from the from Nigeria, uh, mm -hmm. especially from the Taraba region. But yeah, the, the countries that you mentioned are amazing, and Africa is uh, it's really making a mark on the economic yeah. forefront. Mm -hmm. So Africa is rising again, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping that another uh, because Africa gives us a lot of things. Africa gave us human societies and human beings in general. We can mm -hmm. trace our genetic Eve to Africa. So I'm hoping that Africa can give us a, a new economic model, which is not as trashy as the current economic model that we have. Yeah. And which is more inclusive of everyone. Let's yeah. just hope that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you yeah, so, so that, much that for joining me awesome. today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank we will you. absolutely be in touch. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much for being here to witness that. A story without an audience, after all, is like a seed with no soil to take root in. If you've got a story that's ready to branch out, that's what I'm here for. I'm a professional story coach. I help you realign to your authentic truth, write the story of not just who you've been, but who you truly are and will be, and make sure that your ideal audience receives it. To learn more, head over to my website, thatsallowed.com, and set up your free discovery call today. And please, don't forget to rate, review, and share this podcast so that these powerful messages can find even more fertile soil to grow in and thrive. Mm -hmm.